When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, dear listeners. I'm Jonathan Carlin. And I'm Benjamin Carlin. And we invite you to join us through the Gryffindor, your one-way ticket to the enchanting world of Harry Potter. So grab your wands, dust off your broomsticks, and join us as we unlock the secrets behind Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. Ooh, okay, Mm -hmm. okay, what a chapter. Dude, I would say compared to the last chapter, which was completely bonkers, this one, I was just like, I love this chapter. There's so many cool things happening in it. Oh my gosh. Peak Harry Potter. It's just, yeah, there's some very good stuff happening uh, along the way in here. Although on the complete opposite end of things, um, we talked about the chapter art last time with Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback (laughs) being just like one of the best chapter arts. I gotta say, we got a complete one as like chapter art to chapter. Um, we've done a complete 180. Whereas for this one, we've got um, a centaur. I'm not sure which one it's supposed to be Bane, Ferenzi or I think Ronin. it's Ferenzi. I read it as Ferenzi. I read it as yeah, probably he's like the more main character centaur, yeah. but I got to tell you that like the the way this centaur's arms are being depicted like they do not to me convey like the the seriousness of any of them like right right yeah like these these he's got like his his arms out sort of like like angles that would suggest that this is the type of creature that speaks with its hands yeah you know? like he's like a big gesturing like he doesn't have the right demeanor or something like even frenzy who's like the nice one is still like being pretty serious like you know he's he's taking a lot of courage to stand up to the other two and go against the stars and stuff right 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 they seem more stoic this this seems more like uh, a creature that may have like popped out of the woods with like a set of pipes and started 
sounded like you know <laughs> yeah right like break, it looks breaking out of tune or something right it looks more like more like a more like a half satyr half horse you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, see mm-hmm. what you're, I see what you're going for I see what you're going for so yeah unfortunately not maybe not the best artwork but nope. uh, otherwise a pretty good uh, if not a little bit uh, hypocritical chapter oh my gosh the times. number of times in this one where it's like boy Hagrid you sure are lucky that Harry like blames himself because Harry is basically not at fault at all and if he wanted to throw you under the bus I don't even think it would be throwing under the bus. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just, just quite literally. Can I please explain the situation? Yeah, like, which, can I explain the situation? The fact that Hagrid, you know what? Harry does not say Hagrid had a dragon, but you know what Hagrid doesn't do? Say, Professor, it was me. I had a dragon. I know, I know. You know? Yeah. And then and then he's like a little bit like still like all very like authoritative. I know. Show. So anyway, let's let's give everybody the <laughs> yeah, overview. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Forbidden uh, Forest, in case you have forgotten, is a chapter that basically delves into the detention that uh, Harry, Hermione, Neville, and Draco all have to go on together mm-hmm. as per being found out in the middle of the castle in the middle of the night, uh, the evening that they attempted to send Norbert off with uh ron's brother charlie's good mates yes um and so this this is the punishment of which the uh the overlying uh extreme irony is that they are in trouble for being caught out in the middle of the castle in the middle of the night and how dangerous that could be and their punishment is to meet at 11 o'clock at night where they are to go into a place referred to as the forbidden forest i know with the very person that harry is like like in trouble for helping yes exactly (laughs) oh my gosh it is it is ridiculous and the fact that at the very end of the chapter dumbledore sends back the invisibility cloak to harry is just like yeah i knew yeah Absolutely, I knew what was up. absolutely, he knows that, that. Like to me, that is like one of those things where I may have even written it down um, somewhere along the way, where I was like, "Does Dumbledore like know that the reason that um, that like like." What am I trying to say here? Does Dumbledore know that the reason why they're in trouble is because Harry was trying to do the right thing and help somebody? Got to. I mean, yeah. th- there's no there's no way that Dumbledore knows that Voldemort is that Quirrell is working with Voldemort, but doesn't know that Hagrid has a dragon. Yes, yes, you know yes, what yes. I mean. <laughs> right. No, exactly. And and so here's the thing too is that like so they get in trouble for for doing this particular thing where we literally just witnessed McGonagall capturing Draco in the right. act of being out in the middle of the night where she takes twenty points. Twenty points. From, from Draco. From Draco. And then she finds uh, Neville, who is out in the middle of the night looking for Harry and Hermione, and takes 50 points each They're from each. them. She's like, why doesn't Draco also lose 50? Right. Th- this is this is like one of those th- one of those chapters where I'm like, I feel like what's actually going on here is that McGonagall basically is super upset that her students have behaved poorly and th- is almost more upset with them uh, being extensions of House Gryffindor than she is with Draco. Draco, who is not under her like per diem, so right. to speak, maybe you know, more upset with herself. May- maybe, you know, maybe. Look what, look what first years I have, you know, brought up here. But to me, this feels like the exact opposite of what I think Snape might do in similar circumstances. So it's also like, is this the actual reason that like uh, that like Slytherin is always winning? Because like M- McGonagall's like at the end of the day, like of course I want to win the House Cup, but like also I want to ingrain into you behaviors that will help you as you progress and are representatives of this fine house for for all of the future. Right, like in the real world, you don't get get out of jail free cards and seems like yes but 
I can't. I do have these get out of jail free cards, and you know what? In the real world, if you have, if you know the right people, sometimes you do get them. So <laughs> right, right, right. And and Snape seems like he would have had the kind of schooling where maybe he would have coveted peaking in high school a little bit, and so maybe he is like attempting to uh, give that to his Slytherins. It's like ah, yes, you answered that question correctly. Probably fifty points is more than enough. Fifty points. Why there not? you go. Well done, crab. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The other thing that I think to keep in mind about this this uh this taking of the 50 points is that everybody loves the whole like uh Dumbledore totally loves Gryffindors and he totally calculates the exact number of points that they need in order to win the house cup. Oh yeah. But uh, like, what, what's really happening is that the the ending is being set up for the house victory. Yes, yeah. yeah. It, it feels like that's exactly what's going on. Like you like Gryffindor needs to be winning all throughout. This is this is exactly like the Rocky movies if you've ever tuned into any of those the Creed right. movies. Yeah. It's like you always have to have the main boxer somehow simultaneously be the reigning champ and the underdog. Right. And it's like it's like how is the reigning champ the underdog in all of these battles? And it's like because you want to be cheering for the underdog, you can't have like the reigning champ going in there and just like beating somebody up. And, right, exactly. And so I feel like that's exactly what's happening here. It's like you need Gryffindor to be excelling, you need Harry to be good at Quidditch and consistently earning points and doing all of the right things. And then you still need a reason for them to need to come from behind. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but also is, does, is there any part of you that's just sort of like maybe maybe Dumbledore is like by the end of it he's just kind of like look i like i i needed an excuse to give some of these points back because really on on especially hermione and harry like they were helping someone out okay right like okay. i i know the full story here they really shouldn't have lost those 150 points right you know like we'll we'll make up for it it's cool i'll you know what draco lost those 20 points when he give those 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 20 points back to slytherin it's cool harry gets 60 neville gets 10 there's 10 there's 20 <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah there, we got it we're good <laughs> math 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 <laughs> yeah. you know he's just got a piece of parchment up there yeah just like scri- scribbling like carry the three mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. so anyway um yeah so that's that's the premise for for chapter 15 do you want to do you want to start with our page by page oh my gosh absolutely so i love the very first sentence here his things couldn't have been worse and by the end of the by like the end of the page it's like things are worse <laughs> <laughs> neville's in trouble too yeah literally yeah so the, the first sentence is things couldn't have been any worse and then uh about a hundred words later you get the phrase had harry thought that things couldn't have been any worse he was wrong he was wrong <laughs> i literally drew an arrow and i was like had he thought that Yes, yes, right here, yeah, right here. Right, right, Not right, 100 yeah. words ago, Harry. Right. Yeah, I lo- it says like there was no reason on earth that Professor McGonagall would accept for them being out of bed and the creeping around the school in the dead of night, let alone being up in the tallest astronomy tower, which was out of bounds except for classes. And it's like there's there's no reason on earth she would accept. Like, well, let me tell you one reason you didn't try was the truth. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. This is this is I think that the same thing um, happens a couple of pages later where like Harry is finally like resigned himself to be like uh, like, you know, no, like we've gotten in too much trouble. We're not going to do anything anymore. And um, oh, we like, have, like two sentences later, he's like, wait a minute. Should I poke around? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, what I was going to say is that like basically um, Hermione is just like we have to go to Dumbledore like that's the thing to do and it's like it's amazing to me how often for Harry, Ron and Hermione the answer is not going and asking an adult for help, right? Like it's always like well, we can rule that out for sure. That's not <laughs> happening. Think, We're not supposed to know about Fluffy or the stone, right? You think any of these adult teachers are here to help us students? It's like yeah. no way, no, no uh, way, no way. Um, do they care if someone's stealing the stone? No, they'll just be mad 
bad that we know about it at all. Right, right, right. And then it's suspicious. And yeah, so uh, it's always kind of hilarious. Um, once again, though, at the end of that, that first paragraph, we also get the line um, and they may as well be packing their bags already. Just getting out of um, here. This is it's like it's once again where I and I do. I really think that for like the first three books, this is just like so it's such a persistent sentiment is that like fear of of being expelled of being expelled that, like, like we it, broke the rules and that's it right like it's well established that like at this point in time and w- which is kind of interesting and like it's probably part of the the greater arc of the story is that like for Harry in his first year kind of over and over again the worst thing that can happen is expulsion yeah whereas like as you get further in the book the worst thing that can happen is Harry dies yeah you know or Voldemort comes back or both well I mean he's threatened to I mean he almost dies in this chapter <laughs> do you oh, okay I'm, I'm curious about that we'll we'll well, let's just touch on it right now. Do you do you think that Harry's life is genuinely and completely in danger, or do you think that Voldemort is too weak in this instance? I think he could have killed him. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Oh man. See, I mean, because that's not just Voldemort; it's also Quirrell there too. See, yeah, I guess so. This is like one of those where I feel like um, if if they were powerful enough between the two of them, Quirrell and Voldemort, to kill Harry in this moment, it almost doesn't seem like Forenzi should have been able to like falter them back. Well, I guess they're not like super strong. They are drinking the unicorn blood, which will only keep you alive if you're an inch from life. Right. Or whatever. Yes. So they aren't maybe aren't super strong, but the way Bane talks about it, it's like Forenzi shouldn't have interfered because Harry was going to die. See, but my my bigger thought here is that like like especially when you get to that last page and and the return of the invisibility cloak. So like basically the the clear um example especially for it to be on this night of all nights like the night that he has to like go and serve his detention mm-hmm. to me all it feels it all feels like part of that like Dumbledore's big plan like like Dumbledore's like look McGonagall the only like we can't do this because we have to set a good example like you know you can't just like allow certain students to be out in bed at night no matter how much they are the chosen one so like yes we have to give them the detention yes we should have them serve what we should probably have them do is go and get like a little bit more of an idea about what's going on so why not just send them out with Hagrid who you know there is is why they're in trouble in the first place he won't really be in any danger but he might be able to like gather a bit more about what's going on and Mm -hmm. what's what's at play here Mm -hmm. like that's in my mind it's almost like like why else would like because they're being punished for for being out in the middle of the night, which is supposedly super dangerous. Why send them into something that's even more dangerous? Oh, I know, I know, I know that that it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know if. Yeah, I don't know. May, I mean, maybe he wanted him to learn about Voldemort while he was in the woods. Yeah, I guess. I mean, because I guess Dumbledore could have known that. I mean, this is the second unicorn that's died. So like Dumbledore could be on to like, oh, he needs unicorn blood. All right. He's going to strike again. Let's try and get him out there on the same night or something. Well, shoot. Even Forenzi himself is the one who is sort of like, you know, he's talking about unicorn blood and the ability to uh, like bring you back from like the brink of death. And then he literally follows it up with like, don't you know what's hidden in the school at this very moment? The Sorcerer's Stone, the elixir of life. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, like, it's like if you hadn't figured it out yet, it's like Dumbledore. Dumbledore is like, yeah, he doesn't know how how much he knows. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. All right. Um, we're going to make sure Harry gets all the information. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. But like, t- I mean, to me, it's like if Forenzi is figuring this out, it's like for one, why does Forenzi, why do the centaurs have any idea what's in the school at all? Like they don't look at the here and now. They look like to the heavens. I think yeah. they think the heavens are talking about the here and now. Do you think so? Oh, okay. yeah. We'll, okay. get, we'll get to it. We'll get to okay. it. Okay. 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 Uh, you, you, you're talking about Morris's break I'm talking. Nope. Not even that. Oh, nope. Talking about okay. some other Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. I do think that. Uh, okay. So also the the severity, the the absolute disappointment McGonagall is like 
like spouting at Neville and Hermione and Harry also just does not feel fair to me. Like the line, I thought Gryffindor meant more to you than this. I was like, oh, Whoa. wow. I, I, know, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is this is that would be like a parent being like, I thought you cared about us. Yeah, it's like, it's like I oh, do oh I'm like I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, like maybe that's really what her strategy is. But then she goes on to say, I've never been more ashamed of Gryffindor students and I'm like, what like really for being out of bed for being out of bed is the most shameful thing. Yes, anyone has done like this must happen. I don't know nightly in this castle. Oh my like, gosh. There are students out of bed all the time. That is like the nature of it, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it, and literally yeah, what she says is four students out of bed in one night. I've never heard of such a thing before. Baloney. Uh, I, I was like the marauders. The, like, I mean, she doesn't know they don't get caught. They the, use the map and the cloak appropriately. So incredibly effectively. And yet, and yet but how effectively could it be because of like hundreds of detentions? Also, yes, right. Yes, mm-hmm. also true. Also true. And then the other one we have is we know that Molly and Arthur Weasley would also, despite being in the same house, yeah. would go out in the middle of the night for like late night late night strolls and stuff. Yeah, yeah it, it's sort of like okay, mechanical. I think well, I, just, like just chill. Maybe maybe just being like, I mean, possibly she's just being like overprotective and she's just trying to like really make a point. Yeah, possibly. Know, I mean, like, that's what I have to think. I even think to an extent sometimes like when Filch is walking them down, I'm like, is Filch just trying to scare them? Is he like being straight? up malicious here like because like when he's talking about like oh yeah I keep the chains oiled like that sounds mean and I believe him that he thinks that that should exist but then he's like I'll come back for what's left of him it's like are you are you like under the impression that they're about to die like is that what you're telling them like you're probably gonna die there's no way you're coming out unharmed like that's it's like like that you, you can't possibly think that's justifiable punishment for having been out of bed Right, which which again, which again, to be clear, because that's the other thing too. He says, "I'll come back at dawn, at dawn. for what's left of them." So it's like from eleven o'clock at night until apparently the sun rises. Yes, is how long they're intended to be serving detention out in again what is referred to as the <coughs> Forbidden Forest. Right. It's like um, yeah, like what if they'd been caught leaving the Gryffindor common room to go meet Filch in the entrance hall? You know. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, like excuse what, me, what are you doing out of bed? I'm, I'm supposed to be out of bed. Why? I have detention. Why? For being out of bed. It's like, that's the tension. That's we'll, the see tension. we'll see you again next it's week. Just like, yeah, Snape's just like waiting there like a lawn chair, like, well, well, look who's back. <laughs> oh my god, I love the thought of Snape in like like a like a super colorful yeah. lawn chair, like his black robe sitting like super stiffly, but mm-hmm. also like possibly has a drink with like a little right. like umbrella sticking mm, Hello, Potter. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I will say though so, to uh to Neville's credit, like this is like one of those things where the fact that like Neville is is out there. Uh, once again, it's it's like he he is trying so hard. He is, you know, like like I I feel like I have a lot of empathy for for Neville and like what he's going through in this particular year because you never really get the vibe going forward that Neville is particularly like like Dean and Seamus uh, seem like their best buds. Yeah, and then you've got Harry and Ron who are super tight mm-hmm. and there are five boys in the Gryffindor common. Right. So like I have to imagine that like Neville has basically come to this boarding school where he's kind of struggling with the coursework. He's not making a ton of friends and 
every single time he puts himself out there to try to do the right thing, something really bad happens. I know. It's just like he, he meets a three headed dog or falls off his broomstick or yes, yeah. exactly. It's like it's like I mean, the fact that the fact that he even had enough courage to get out of bed to try and go and like warn uh, Hermione and Harry that that Draco was boasting about like being able to catch him in the middle of the night. Right. It's like it's like this guy is like, I don't know. He's just doing his best. He's doing his best. I empathize He's with getting devil. caught losing yeah. points. Yeah, zooming out. So mm-hmm. anyway, but the, the other thing that I always do find particularly interesting about this particular set of circumstances is I know going back to one of the earliest J versus Ben's, there was a question that was quite literally like who serves the tension in the Forbidden Forest. And of course, we were like Harry, Ron, Hermione, Draco. And then like the question was like, oh, was devil there? You know, like, and I mean, this is, you know, it had just been like a period of time since we had like last read the books or something like that. But like, it is shocking to me that like that even even given the last chapter and like how Ron going to the hospital wing because he's bit by Norbert is the reason that Draco is able to go and collect the book so that Draco knows to be out in the middle of the night so that you can have this particular group of people. It's like it's very convoluted, but it is also strange to me that the decision was made to exclude Ron from this excursion. I know like Neville is in there instead of Ron this time around. Yes, 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 yes. So this this is like another one of those where it's like like Neville doesn't. And and, I mean, it could be the case like maybe I'll pick up on it more is like we're leafing through the books so methodically Mm -hmm. for this particular read through. But like, I think Neville seems to really be more prominent than I always remember in book one and then sort of seem to like fade into the shadows a little bit until like book five right. like when the DA, when the DA starts comes yeah. about. Yeah. And then, and then he's a very prominent character and sort of like, you know, right. like, like Luna's counter and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, just so, yeah, I think that was, that's like one of those big things where I'm like, man, that like, you know, the further I get from the books, the more likely I think it is that I will forget that Neville goes on this excursion and not Ron. So. Yeah, right. It does. Yeah. It's like, it, it, and he's not, he doesn't make a big impact really other than that Draco scares him and so Draco ends up with Harry and even that doesn't super matter it's just that Hermione probably wouldn't have like run when Voldemort shows up and Draco does yeah right right which yeah. I think it you know, shows a little bit of Harry's bravery so, yeah it just sort of isolates Harry like one-on-one yeah going well, on there speaking of isolating Harry there's another thing that we get in this chapter that Harry is destined to face quite a bit of uh, which is the phrase that um, from being one of the most popular and admired people at the school Harry was suddenly the most hated this is like a really weird thing that seems to follow this is this is almost exactly um the the rocky analogy over again uh, or creed if you've seen either any of those movies um where once again harry is like remarkably famous and important and keeps foiling the dark lord and also is like not really ever able to achieve proper popularity for like a long time uh-huh. like even when he's a triwizard champion people are just mad that he's a triwizard champion because right, like, he's not old enough yeah, exactly yeah, yeah yeah so it's like like this is one of those where it's like harry is extremely well known you get to know why he's the center of attention also most of the time people don't like him for it yeah um which is like you know that's that's like one of those things where it's like it's it's hard to imagine in real life a world where someone like harry just isn't a lot more beloved almost regardless of what happens mm-hmm. because people know his story. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like it and I wonder how much of it's just from like Harry's point of view too, where like, you know, oh my God, everyone hates me for this or something. That's a because really like, good point. I do. Yeah. Th- I mean, I think Harry is pretty popular for the most part. I mean, he's like Quidditch captain and he goes out with like the, you know, apparently asks Parvati Patil, the best looking Gryffindor girl to 
you know, the Yule Ball and then otherwise dates Ginny and Cho, the other two most popular girls at school or whatever. This is true. You know, this like true. he's not yeah. doing so bad. <laughs> you know, it, it actually is extremely funny, even just speaking from my own personal experience, because I think a lot of people have this in high school. Like I often wonder if if anyone like you think about like the air quotes, like popular kids you went to school with. And the big question is like, did any of them see themselves in that regard. Right. All like the captain of the football team, whatever, like that guy still has to go home and like climb in bed at night and, you know, like has like his interaction with his family and like, you know, like there, there's all this like other stuff going on. Yeah. But you always see the gloss, right? You know, you don't, you don't see like the inner workings. Uh, I, I always just think this is interesting because I often know like what my own personal high school experience felt like. And then, uh, Ethan, the editor of this very podcast went to our high school was, uh, in the same grade as our younger brother and it's close with him. And I feel like whenever he talks about his perception of me in high school, it's always like, I wish I saw me the way you apparently <laughs> saw me in high school. So you're right. Like maybe, maybe that's one of those things where like Harry is extremely hard on him himself and then uh, is is perceiving this negative attention being like magnified in yeah. a way where it's like a lot of these kids probably are like a little frustrated you lost like points and might give you like a look because of that but they're also preoccupied with their own studies and have their own things going on in their own social lives right yeah th they're not constantly facing a dark I lord I can't imagine that like every fifth and sixth and seventh year Gryffindor at this point like their main concern is the house cup anymore that's also you true know? yeah like th that's a good point yeah like, is, is like, even right now as I'm like trying to like like make this case in my head it's like Jay the house cup is like live or die man oh like, I'm I mean hey I like to think that it is and that they take it very seriously right but right, you know right. who's to say yes who's to say it does seem like you could by the time you're like a seventh year you're like who really cares at this point yeah or maybe that's when you care the most because we our other theory is that the point scale that like you know first years aren't able to earn as many points as like seventh years or something well except at a time the except that, that they like, can lose them in they can spades lose, yeah in 50 point swaths <laughs> yeah Whew. any which way not so good not so good through the Gryffindor is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Y'all, I've got to say, I love international travel. I don't know if there's anything that opens your eyes and mind more to different walks of life than immersing yourself inside of new ones. But one hesitation I always have about going somewhere new is how to best navigate the differing languages. But that's where Rosetta Stone can help. Because for me, it's not just about like the fear of getting lost, although <laughs> to be fair, it's not not a concern either. But to me, the immersion goes so much further than simply being somewhere else, I want to engage with and respect the locale by communicating in their tongue, not my own. And that's what's so great about Rosetta Stone. They provide 25 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, and more. And they use such an intuitive approach designed for you to pick up the language naturally, so you're really learning to speak, listen, and the one I always find the most fascinating, think in a new language. And what's even better is that when you sign up, it's for life. Yeah, a lifetime membership, because let's face it, we can only travel to so many new places, but so fast, but with all the time in the world, you can be ready for any adventures ahead. Head. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Through the Gryffindor listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off your unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. 
Through the Gryffindor is supported by Pair Eyewear. Y'all, I am so excited for our upcoming Through the Griffin tour. It is going to be such a good time. But as ever, when you're going to be spending time in front of people, you want to be looking your darned best. And let me tell you what, Pair Eyewear has arrived just in the nick of time. Like, honestly, I was immediately blown away with my new frame. So let me let me walk you through exactly what they do. So starting at just $60, including your prescription, you can get your or base frames, which are like sleek, modern, and stylish. But that is really just the start because from there, you get to fully customize each frame, all of your looks by simply snapping on the top frames. And they actually have an entire collection of Harry Potter frames. So like for the upcoming tour, I was so pumped because like, oh my gosh, I've got to find some super cool Slytherin frames that I can like wear. But then as I was clicking around, I've been watching uh, X-Men 97, which is like so good and they actually had X-Men frames as well and then I May the 4th is coming up or maybe by the time you're listening it's already passed but like they have a huge collection of over 20 Star Wars frames as well so I, I had a very hard time narrowing and I ended up getting two I got the X-Men ones and I got some Slytherin ones so many different like fandom frames you can choose from and I never thought to accessorize my glasses with fandom stuff but now you can and it's so easy to change between them like they have little little magnets on them so you can just slap a uh, different frame onto the front of your glasses and then easily switch it out. I've been doing it all day. It's so fun. And before you commit to anything, you can explore all the different possibilities with their virtual try-on. But again, the base frames for men, women, or kids, I think honestly kids would love this because you can just switch them out and they're so fun looking. They all start at $60. One pair, infinite possibilities. Go to PairEyewear.com and use code GRIFFIN for 15% off your first pair and support the show by mentioning that through the Gryffindor sent you in your post-checkout survey. That's P-A-I-R-I-Wear.com, code Griffin. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Oh man. So anyway, moving on, um, we have Harry make his vow to not uh, poke his nose anywhere that he's not supposed to. And then like a page later, he's like about uh, the week before the exams were due to start Harry's new resolution, not to interfere in anything that didn't concern him was put to an unexpected test. He immediately starts eavesdropping and overhears quarrel saying, no, no, not again, please. And it sounds like someone's threatening quarrel. And then he like agrees to it. Harry doesn't see who it is assumes it's Snape, but what I think is crazy here is that he just catches Voldemort talking to Quirrell, basically. <laughs> I No, this is extremely true, and it's like, it, it seems so much more likely that Quirrell would go somewhere like further from, you know, prying yeah. eyes. 
Um, so it is, it is kind of curious, like, you know, what, what type of like recklessness is going on with, with this, this duo here? Um, especially because at this point in time, you would think I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get my timetable right, but you would think that they would have already been out and consuming the unicorn blood. Right or no? Uh, Has it maybe not happened yet? I don't know. When Hagrid gets out there, it's the second unicorn that's died. So maybe they would have by now. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I suppose it could be the case that like Voldemort is starting to gain a little bit more power than he's had. Actually, what Quirrell says, because this is actually one of my questions was Quirrell says, no, no, not again. It sounded as though someone was threatening him. Harry moved closer. All right. All right. So it's like. Like Harry's interpretation is that Snape is like has been torturing Quirrell and this is him saying, no, don't torture me again. And he's like, all right, all right. Here's how you get past my thing. But what is the thing like? What is actually what is the conversation actually going down? He's saying, no, no, not again. It's like is Voldemort torturing him or in some way or maybe what he's actually saying is like you need to go kill another unicorn. And he's saying, no, no, not again. I think that that is extremely yeah. likely. Yeah, yeah, that that totally tracks. Uh, we, yeah. we can double check. See as we get a little bit further. If it tells us how how long it has been since the other unicorn right. was, was found dead in the woods because I do think we get a, a line from that. Uh, from Hagrid as the, as they first get out there, so um, yeah, yeah, we'll be have to double back on that. That could be exactly what it is, though. I, I will say that this entire piece of dialogue does, I think, slightly make up for um, the scene in the woods with Snape, where Snape is like kind of saying one half of a conversation that looks really suspicious based on everything he's saying. Yeah, but like it's like when you know the whole truth, it's like supposed to be looked differently. I feel like we're we're kind of critical of that one. I do think this particular paragraph could be like to a to a more savvy reader uh and, and by savvy what i mean is like when we read these books we were little kids yeah i don't it would be interesting to read it as an adult and be like okay i'm starting to think quarrel might have something weird going on yeah well, he's coming like, up a lot yeah it's like it's like why, why are we talking <coughs> about quarrel so much mm-hmm. you know yeah which is which is also kind of kind of interesting um okay so let's see here harry loses a bet for 12 sorcerer stones <laughs> yes he does wow I, harry, I mean dude that, going all in talk about a piece of uh trivia though I can just hear it already it says it like how many sorcerer stones would Harry have bet that Snape had just left the room talking to Quirrell like goodness gracious mm. I mean like three sorcerer stones seems like one sorcerer stone seems like a lot seems like more than wise. one yeah about uh, enough for more than enough for two people apparently yes yes indeed mm-hmm. yes indeed okay um Oh, there's also like um, they're like, oh, Snape's done it. Said Ron Quirrell's told him how to get past his anti-dark force spell. I love the way they have to like classify like they don't know what it is yet. So that's what they just keep calling it. Um, but then he says like, I bet there's a book in here willing telling you how to get past a giant three headed dog. And it's like, I mean, I, I love well, I love that. They must just not know about like Avada Kedavra at all because otherwise it'd be like, well, yeah. Well, and that's another thing. It's like, why doesn't Quirrell just kill Fluffy? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. Very like there's all this like we got to get a dragon egg and get Hagrid drunk and trick him into telling us how to do it. It's like it's like it's like a living creature. This that would work on it, right? (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. No, it it does seem like like with their powers combined, there should be something that they would be capable of doing to overcome fluffy. Yeah, like like that seems highly likely. I guess maybe it's a giveaway. 
Like maybe ideally you just get around Fluffy, get the stone, get out, and then Fluffy's still there and no one even knows it's gone. Right. That, that's a good point as well. Yeah. Like if, if, if the dog is, you know, Fluffy's just found dead, it's sort of like, well, that's you know, kind of revealing. Yeah. Um, huh. The the other distinct possibility here is that we know that Voldemort is in a rather weakened state, even in his occupation of Coral. So, yeah. and we know that like, I mean, at least according to Mad-Eye, Moody, slash Barty, Crouch, everybody in Harry's fourth year class could cast a Vada Kedavra at him at once. He wouldn't get so much as a bloody nose. So it's like, it could be the case that Quirrell is just quite literally not a powerful enough wizard to to a Vada Kedavra something. Mm, that's possible. I mean, he doesn't. He also doesn't reach for this spell when Voldemort commands him to kill Harry. Right, yeah. You know, he yeah. goes for physical combat. <laughs> he goes combat. for physically <laughs> choking him or something. Like, dude. Ironically, something, you know, I mean, not not that you could even really think about it, but like <clears throat> just any type of physically attacking Harry as a baby probably would have worked a lot better than magically attacking, yeah. which is really the only way that Lily's protection comes into effect at all. But either way, not not the point. Well, I think even if he devoted cadaver to him, it wouldn't, I think the same thing would have happened. Like Lily's protection would have, would that have still worked, do you think? Wait, what do you mean? Like, if if in the chamber Quirrell had cast Avada Kedavra, do you think Lilith's protection would have continued to protect Harry from the spell? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely cool. do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In right. That case. Because yeah, this is Voldemort's gonna. That's what he's trying to overcome when he takes the blood in. Right. As much right, as right. being able to physically touch him is able to magically touch him. Unfortunately, by taking the blood into him, he prevents himself from being able to magically touch him. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a lose lose the moment Lily takes the dive. At some point yeah. in this saga, we will we will spend an enormous amount of time breaking down just how Voldemort is in his own way over and over and over like he is he's his own problem he's his own biggest obstacle he is yeah he absolutely is Harry is just like all of his like shortcomings like personified but he like creates Harry basically yes yes um, um, so as we move forward onto the next page we get to the 11 o'clock hour when um, Harry Hermione Neville and Draco are all meeting uh, Filch to be taken out to Hagrid's hut uh, this is again where it seems like Filch is sort of bringing up like all of the uh, old punishments that apparently they supposedly used to do mm -hmm. such as hanging you by your wrist from the ceiling for a few days. He says, I've still got the chains in my office. Keep them oiled just in case they're ever needed. I am willing to bet that those chains have literally never been used before. I know this is one of the things it's like like if the the fact that he has the chains suggests that the chains were used, but like why would you ever do this to your students. You know, like what what version of the school is it where you're like, oh yeah, magic school, pretty rough. Sometimes they hang you in the dungeon, straight up torture you. you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem it doesn't even seem right remotely likely yeah. to me. So I'm thinking that this is just like one of those things where and, and to your to your point, I think it's like it's entirely possible what Filch is really trying to do because he lays it on so thick that it's like it, it does seem to me a little bit like what Filch is really like doing is just trying to be like, hey, don't mess up. There are scary things that we can do. This is yeah. a, uh, <laughs> the a, staff really leans into the like, we're going to we're going to scare these kids straight. Yeah, <laughs> they're not, are they in danger? No, but are we going to let them know that? Absolutely not. <laughs> right, right, right. Just just let them be terrified. And, yeah. then, and then they'll never go out in the middle of the night ever again. Exactly. <laughs> Unless we make them. Unless, yeah, yeah, yeah. precisely. <laughs> Case in point. Exactly now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's see here. Yeah, so um, then they get out there. They discover that they're doing detention with Hagrid, which is awfully convenient considering it's Hagrid's fault. That they're there in the first oh place. Oh my gosh, I know. It's a, okay, th so they get the note. Yeah, and it says um, he half expected Hermione to complain that this was a whole night of studying loss, but she didn't say a word. Like Harry, she felt they deserved what they'd got. And I'm like, do you, you guys really feel that way? You don't. You're not mad at Hagrid 
at all for this situation. Yeah. Like it is 1000% his fault. One, not only that Quirrell now has the information to get past Fluffy, which you haven't figured out yet, but two, that you got caught moving a dragon to like he is the one who did wrong and you got in trouble. Why are you not mad at him? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It anyway. almost even seems like that like like the whole story is just trying to sidestep that at all. Like yeah. even I mean even the fact that like when I was a kid, I don't even know if it would have occurred to me that these were quite literally back-to-back chapters. And so like in my mind it's like, well, it's kind of been a while. You may have just forgotten about the fact that it was Hagrid's fault. And it's like, no, literally like 4 pages ago. <laughs> it was it was it's very Hagrid's fault. Yeah. So anyway, that's you know. Yeah, the, the, yeah, this filter saying I'm much mistaken if you all come out in one piece. It's like, "Geez, I man." Know, I highlighted that too. It's just like, "All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> come on." Like, you, this, you, the, you can't have the students thinking that the school wants them hurt, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. It, seem, it seems like um, a not. And also, not then there's uh, Hagrid who says, that's why you're late, is it? Like, uh, been lecturing them. It's not your place to do that. You've done your bit. I'll take over from here. And it's like, that is actually not why they're late. The detention says that uh, it will take place at 11 o'clock. And then it specifically says, at 11, they leave the common room. So they are the reason they are late. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, it's like you know, maybe 1040 y'all give yeah. yourself a little <laughs> give bit yourself of time, a little time to, to get down there. I mean, I get it. I, I am. <clears throat> I am perpetually late to all things. So I sort of, I mean, I sort of get being like, you know, I, well, we got to be there at 11. It's like, what time is it? 1102. Should we leave the house? Okay. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Well, I mean, I mean, there's, there's being late for stuff or then there's being late for like court, you know, <laughs> <You're> right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, you don't be you you don't show up late to stuff that is you're in trouble for <laughs> right right so okay here's a question for you because this this sort of crossed my mind for the first time we we've sort of gone on and on about our, our suggestion that Filch could be a poltergeist but it also occurred to me before or it occurred to me while I was reading this chapter rather that the description of um drinking unicorn's blood uh like let's see here we get the I want to get make sure I get the uh, wording exactly right. The blood of a unicorn will keep you alive even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price. You have slain something pure and defenseless to save yourself, and you will have but a half-life, a cursed life, from the moment the blood touches your lips. Um, this is something, I mean, for one, you could make the argument that quite literally all of Dumbledore or all of Voldemort's plans rather uh, ultimately end up working against him to the tune of like taking Harry's blood and then Harry's blood being the thing that tethers him to life when he tries to kill him in the forest in Deathly Hallows. It's like you could make the argument that quite literally everything that happens to Voldemort going forward is due to the fact that he took in the unicorn's um, blood, the unicorn's blood. But the other thing that occurred to me was like, is there any chance that any other characters in the story that we've ever met have uh, drank unicorn's blood? Like, because that seems, Oh, and are now living a cursed life and are now living a cursed life. And I was like, Filch, Filch, you know, like if anything, like it almost feels like you could make the argument that something happens somewhere along the way. And now what Filch is forced to do is live what is otherwise does have a cursed existence. He does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like his his whole life just seems cruel um, and it, it would be cruel for anybody to continue to employ someone who is in, so like so incapable of handling magical maladies in a school full of people that create magical maladies. Yeah. 
but that would be kind of a cursed life. Yeah, I guess you know? that's true. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, has anyone else in the story drinking unicorn blood? Yeah. Hmm. It reminds me a little bit of like The Good Place, the TV show, yeah. which, you know, like major spoilers for the plot of season one inbound. I'll give you just a second to exit away in case you need to. Um, but the the basic premise is that like, you know, they're, they're brought to a place that is perceived as the good place, but the actual con that is going on is that what they're actually doing is living in the bad place. Right. And so like, for example, that may take forms in ways that you don't necessarily imagine. For example, like one character, Chidi is presented with two potential love options and he is really bad at making decisions. So his worst nightmare is having to make a choice between who to love. Right. And it's like, (laughs) you normally think of curse life being so like, like, dark and destitute more almost like what Filch is actually describing right like hanging from a chain or something like something truly terrible and awful but in this particular case it would just be like a completely and utterly aggravating and demeaning kind You're, of existence, right yeah it's you just know? like this itch like, that can't be scratched exactly yeah. exactly yes 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 um and so that, that that was my thought was i was like okay here's a different explanation that that isn't the same one we're always going on about oh that yeah filters the poltergeist yes which exactly. it totally is which yeah, yeah most likely yeah more like or i guess you drink unicorn blood who knows maybe right yep. yeah i love uh there's this line too from hagrid where he says you've done wrong and now you've got to pay for it and i'm like <laughs> Dude, no. no, they didn't. He's saying it to Malfoy, but it's like, like you're implying it about the other three, okay? And then Mal, I love Malfoy saying, "If my father knew I was doing this," and he'd say, he says, "He'd tell you that's how it is at Hogwarts." And I'm like, "No, he would not." <laughs> Literally, two books from now, he's gonna try and get you fired because Buckbeak scratches Draco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true, but it does make you wonder whether or not. I mean, Hagrid predates Lucius attending school by quite a bit. So it does make you wonder whether or not Hagrid witnessed any of Lucius's own dealings sure. at school while he was there as a student. Yep. Um, the one thing that I that I did underline that I was just really like, well, that's not the worst idea, but uh, is is following up almost this exact sentiment you just described, which is uh, you'll do something useful, um, which I do think is sort of like all things being equal as far as just general detentions go, maybe not going into the forbidden forest in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. where a dark Lord could just be prowling and killing unicorns. Um, But I do think the idea of providing a like useful service that you could even like, like it can, it can, come across as punishment, but also give the person like a sense of accomplishment. I mean, yeah, even the next year, like Ron has to go polish all the trophies and the, in the trophy room right, as yes, part of his yeah. punishment and Harry has to help Lockhart answer his fan mail. That, you know, I, I'm saying useful, stuff. useful yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very useful, but things got done. Harry can say he can put that. He can put a feather at his a peacock feather in his cap. Probably. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but I also like it here. He says copying lines. What's that's good to anyone. It's like it's so funny that ha- that he specifically says copying lines because that's exactly like that. It's so pointless because it's exactly what Umbridge makes everyone do is copy lines. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's like with their own blood with their own blood. Yeah, hers is hers is like not useful to anyone and quite painful. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here's the line that we, that we were looking there, looking for. Um, so they they reach the edge of the Forbidden Forest. They haven't even, I think, entered yet when Hagrid is already able to spot the unicorn blood. He says, "Look there," said Hagrid. "See that shining stuff on the ground? Silvery stuff. That's unicorn blood. There's a unicorn. Uh, there's a unicorn in there. Been hurt badly by Summit. This is the second time in a week I found one dead last Wednesday." We're going to try and find the poor thing. Um, so last Wednesday, how long has it been? Let's see. Since. This is 
so this this is still pre-exams, I believe. Right. And when he hears Quirrell talking to Voldemort, it is about a week before the exams were due to start. So, yeah. If this is about a week before they were due to start and they go into the forest before the exams, that means it's less than a week's worth of time. So last Wednesday would have been before the conversation with Quirrell. Okay, in so. that in that case, then in my mind, the 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 pleading that Quirrell has with Voldemort inside of his own head, the no, no, not again, please, uh, is almost certainly about killing another unicorn. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think that makes sense to me too. Which I, I don't sure. think I've ever fully connected those dots in the past. No, so. me neither. So um, maybe that's one of those things that was just very evident, but um, I, I it had never occurred to me. So okay, we'll take that. Um, let's see. What uh, do we have next then? So they go into the woods. They split up. Uh, Malfoy wants to go with Fang. So it's Malfoy, Fang, and Neville, which just seems like a recipe for a disaster, it if does. you ask me. It's another bit of hypocrisy as well there because Hagrid first says, there's nothing that lives in the forest that'll hurt you if, you, if you're with me or Fang. And Draco's like, fine, I want Fang. And Hagrid's like, fine, but it's useless. <laughs> like, like, but wait, you just said he, nothing will hurt you if you're with Fang. Like, which is it, man? <laughs> Hagrid inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, it's like, oh boy, going over it with a fine tooth carob sometimes. It's like really stands out. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, there's the the sparks that they have to send out of the end of their wand. This is always one of those things that I wonder, like if you have an actual wand, because they don't really specifically talk about it necessarily, but it seems like throwing out sparks is almost like the easiest it's like it's like not even classified as like a spell right it's just you like yeah, everyone can do that just red green like even neville successfully does it true you know true, like true, in true. this chapter like even neville could send out red sparks under pressure <laughs> under yeah, pressure yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah there we go okay <clears throat> um so that that's because they do this again in goblet of fire this is like the way that they're supposed to like you know indicate like if something is wrong right like, i do wonder if it's just sort of like extremely extremely simple right like like point and gesture and, and out will come sparks. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess by then you'd expect, you know, they're supposed to be seventh year. So you'd expect them, of course, to be able to send sparks out. But like even first years are apparently just like, yeah, you can do that. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Like that's basic seems, magic seems seems simple enough. There's a lot of uh, talk of werewolves being out in the there forbidden is, forest in this yeah. chapter, um, which is kind of interesting because there's not really any reason for there to be werewolves living in the forbidden forest. Um, yeah. This could be like one of those. There's like a couple explanations. I suppose that you could perhaps that like if you are a werewolf, you are sort of shunned by society, like even in your human form. So like maybe you've just made maybe there are human werewolves who take refuge in the forest in the meantime or something, which would seem unlikely, but I guess possible because they actually do. There is a line that says the moon was bright, so it's like it it doesn't say it was a full moon, but it kind of suggests that it is because it's like casting shadows. It's so bright this particular night, so it's like it's possible that if there are human werewolves like like even if maybe they don't live in the forest in the meantime that like on this night is a night of werewolves because it is a full moon. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that so tracks, they, yeah. they they might have just broken out of wherever they normally live and gone into the forest, which is sort of what Lupin does eventually when he transforms. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So. That was my big thing, though, is that it, it, and I guess you make a good point. Like, they could just have colonies, that, like, living sort of, like, separate from society, which I think <laughs> Lupin does say, um, like, in... Is it Half-Blood Prince, where he's doing missions for... 
uh, Dumbledore. Yeah. And, and he's been like trying to go and like plead with the werewolves to like not fall, you know, to. Yeah, to Voldemort. The, yeah, to Voldemort. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess that's reasonable. But uh, yeah, as I was reading it, I was just sort of like, they're, they're people. Yeah. Know? Right. Like, what are you talking about? Although, this is, that's also one of those things. If you ever play Hogwarts Legacy and you're wandering in the forest, there are like people who are otherwise werewolves just like out there. Oh, are there really? Yeah. Okay. That's I mean, that takes place a long time before now. So who's to say it's the same? Right. But right. that is like, and, and that's a game and they just want to give you, you know, things to fight in the woods. So that, that's there's fair. that. That's but, fair. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yep. Okay. So, that's in there as well. But I love also where he's just like, he's not that concerned that they're going to get hurt, but he's also never known anything that could hurt a unicorn before. And that's out there. So let's go. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know that. I mean, it does feel a little bit like, okay, this must be something pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um, we also get like a little bit of uh, Hagrid's prowess a little bit as he uh, is going. Let's see here. I think that there's what is the sound? The three of them listened. Something was slithering over dead leaves nearby. It sounded like a cloak, a cloak trailing uh, along the ground. Hagrid was squinted up, or Hagrid was squinting up the dark path, but after a few seconds, the sound faded away. I knew it, he murmured. That's summoned in here that shouldn't be. Um, this is almost like sort of like that that mechanic that you know that can like, you pull <coughs> in and he's like, oh, your fourth cylinder is firing wrong, huh? And it's like, you could just tell by the way it like sounds like, yeah. you know, it's like this is one of those where you're like, man, Hagrid must really know the force, right? Like he can like tell that this sound does not belong here at all. Right, right, right. It's like yeah. this, this is not like some creature you know, <clears throat> that maybe is like unusual to be here. It's like this is not at all supposed to be here, right? So, OK, that's the other question too. then. Do you think that in this particular situation that this is that this is both quarrel and I mean, I guess I guess it would be again if we go back to the pleading, but like the slithering has always sort of led me to believe that this is more of like the shadowy cloak of an existence that Voldemort is of his on his own. No, I think no, I don't think he can really leave quarrel. I think it, it's quarrel with it Voldemort is. on the back of his head and it just sounds like slithering because it's a cloak going over leaves. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, let's see. Uh, so then we meet the centaurs. Uh, yes, we, we have uh, Ronan and Bane show up and continue. This is what about just my I uh, love. They keep <laughs> Haggard keeps asking them questions and they're just like mm, Mars is bright tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've heard <laughs> this, yeah. this is always one of me and you's favorite parts to say from the whole series. <laughs> it's just absolutely hilarious because like Haggard's <clears throat> trying so hard to like keep asking questions and the centaurs are just sort of like yeah, we're just going to keep kind of like sidestepping it, which as soon as you talk to like Forenzi, you pretty much learn like that this is part of their culture. So like part of me almost wonders whether or not like are they preoccupied and not really listening to Hagrid or are they just being like intentionally evasive and oh, they're, they're not definitely they know exactly what's up and that I think like the way they're phrasing it back to him is just like like oh you know, oh, have you seen anything strange? It's like the forest hides many secrets, and it's like Forenzi knows exactly that it's Voldemort. And it's like, just say Voldemort, dude. Right. It's like you're being vague so on purpose here. But I guess they're like, we shouldn't interfere, is what the star says. We're allowed to know what they say, but we can't tell people what they say. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, so this is this is sort of interesting because <clears throat> I was trying to think about in like other fiction whether or not like a watcher is a kind of like consistent character. So the, the closest thing that, that came to mind for me is the watchers from like the Marvel. Oh yeah. Uatu. Uatu, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> it's, it's sort of like it's a, it's a strange kind of 
involvement to have with the greater world mm-hmm. because it's sort of like you're tuned in like you're you're seeing the signs you're being you're capable of like reading uh like the the stars the planets like what's what's happening and like what's coming but it's hard to know like what type of role inaction can have like like is it common for there to be this entity in stories in real life, like where there's someone who's just sort of like watching from afar and like letting it all unfold. Right. I, I don't know, but I think what, what's interesting about the centaurs is and the way that they read the stars is that they are like pretty accurate about the things they read, but like what forensic later tells the class in order of the Phoenix is that while the stars can tell you what the future is, they're not there. It's not like really precise about the timing of stuff. Like right. things can be off by like, I don't know, like decades or something or whatever. Sure. You know, like, yes, yes we're in a, we're in a period, but we're like in a, in a brief piece between two wars or something, but it's like, we don't know when the other war is going to happen, but it's, it's definitely going to happen, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. Which I mean, <clears throat> to be fair, I mean, we, we literally know that, uh, Lily and James were involved with the first Wizarding War, and Harry is directly involved with the second Wizarding War. Yeah. So, if you want to call this space in between peace, which if you're Harry, I'm sure you don't. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, oh, I had nothing, no, no peace in my department. Yeah, right. This whole time. Yeah, but, but if you're like Fudge, you're like everything's great. We're back to normal. He who must not be named is gone. Amazing. Right. Everything's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yep. So we get the get the exchange with with the centaurs though, where they they basically are just not super keen to let anything on at all. Um, yeah. Then we uh, we split up and Hagrid or what is it? Harry Neville and Malfoy go one way, and Harry and Hermione and Hagrid. I love how Hagrid's just like, yeah, you two, my favorite students, you come with me. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah, it'll be great. Well. Um, then they go out there. Malfoy pulls a trick on Neville. Uh, Harry's like, I don't care if Malfoy has, but if something's got Neville, it's our fault. He's out here in the first place. I was just like, uh, actually, it's Hagrid's fault. Um, and then, then they switch up and then we get uh, to the hooded figure. So eventually they switch places and then we get to the point where they find the unicorn and out of the shadows, a hooded figure came crawling across the ground like some stalking beast and began to drink the unicorn's blood. Real scary. It is pretty intense. Yeah. But once again, I mean, this is this is another one where it, it to me like the like came crawling across the ground. I mean, it's I don't know. This this is again where I, I feel like I'm like part of me is not picturing Quirrell in in like a truly like pathetic state. It just seems so much more menacing. Well, I think, but it's I think Voldemort says Quirrell has to be the one is the one drinking the blood for him. Okay, because I think the other thing is that it's not even Voldemort. Like Voldemort isn't even the one who needs the potion. Right or needs the unicorn blood. Like, like it's, Voldemort, it's Voldemort already has the Horcruxes. He already can't die. He needs Quirrell to stay alive because he's basically acting like a parasite to Quirrell. So yeah, like like his, his <coughs> raising strength, if anything, is probably slowly depleting Quirrell's ability to exist. Right. I mean, it's not unlike the diary and Ginny. It's like the more he takes from Quirrell, like the more he takes from Ginny, the more he's about to come back to life. I like that. You okay. know. Okay. So there's that. Um, and I, yeah, I think he also just says it's the quirrell drinking it for him at one point. Yes. Um, then we immediately, though, I mean, so Malfoy, <coughs> you know, sort of uh, runs away in total fear. Uh, it doesn't say like Harry says that he is. Um, uh, it got to it. Let's see here. It got to its feet and came swiftly towards Harry. He couldn't move for fear. So this is kind of interesting because like Harry over and over will be faced with 
essentially this exact situation, paralyzing yeah. fear, um, like where, where, you know, he needs to either like face down the challenge before him. And in some ways it's almost like it's, it's fascinating. The, the contrasting forms of fear that yeah. Harry has versus Draco, like Draco runs from the fight, right? Basically. And, and Harry is sort of like fixed in place. Um, but this is one of those things like about Harry where, I mean, I remember playing, capture the flag at night as a kid of Harry's age and being terrified, like walking through the woods by myself. Right. And so like there, there is a part of me that's almost like, man, like this, this kid's got some guts Oh, for sure you know, to, to be out there. Like, I mean, he's definitely got like his, his, you know, I mean, it says that he's afraid, but like, I mean, I feel like that's where you can tell like those, that true Gryffindor nature is like burning its way through. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if this is like fight or flight, like Draco clearly is in flight and Harry does not. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I guess some people say it's like fight or flight or freeze. So or maybe freeze. he's more like frozen this maybe, time. Maybe he's more frozen in this case, but either yeah. which way. Uh, he definitely experiences the excruciating pain in his scar, which is definitely letting us know that like pretty much what he's encountered is Voldemort. Absolutely. It's interesting though that if it's like, <clears throat> like what what must be you don't get a great yeah you're right it's like the what is underneath the hooded figure is like kind of vague like I felt like you like quarrel has to be there but why is it hurting him so much in this particular case that he's making like like face to face contact with quarrel because like Voldemort's head would still be the wrong way right or is it like was was Voldemort the one drinking the blood and now he's like actually facing Harry right here or is it just like at you know. <laughs> I suppose on some level, like what you would assume, I mean, like, you know, we know for for the book's sake, the the, the overall plot of having a story, you know, in, in the in the setup and the eventual obstacles and going beneath the school and getting past Fluffy and the flying keys and the potions and all that type of stuff, the chessboard. Um, but I mean, I suppose for all intents and purposes at this point in time, Voldemort could just quite literally just be straight up prepared to attack and attempt to kill Harry. Yeah. And, and Frenzy just intervenes. Well, I think that's exactly what's happening Too is that quickly, he's preparing yeah. to kill him yes. because and I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a second, but yeah, Forenzi shows up, um, chases Quirrell slash Voldemort off and then uh, Ronan and Bane show up and they're all like, what are you doing? Bah. So I love the first thing. What is it? Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Bane says, what have you been telling him? Remember, Forenzi, we're sworn not to set ourselves against the heavens, which just like the way like that sentence alone is like they know something like there is something to have been told. It's like, you know, it's like little did he know, you know, it's like that means there's something you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what have you been telling him? That means there's something to tell, you know? Right. Yeah, that, that does mean that mean that means that there is. Some, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So um, there's that. And then um, bank kicked his legs back for the best. What is that to do with us? Centaurs are concerned with what has been foretold. So it's like, okay, but what has been foretold, you know, right in that moment. And then, um, it says, do you not see that unicorn frenzy Bella to Bane? Do you not understand why it was killed or have the planets not let you in on that secret? And it's like, so e even that it's like they're, they're all speaking in vagueisms because they're in front of Harry, but it's like he's saying it's like, yeah, we all know what that was and why that happened. Doug, it's right there written in the sky. Come on. Right. You know, right. like they, they, they clearly know more about what's going on. And what's almost surprising is that like if they are tuned into it in any capacity or maybe forensic, he's just taking this on himself. But like it is almost surprising that um, Voldemort slash Coral has been able to come out there and do it more than once without being stopped. Mm. You know, like, it, well, they it, don't care about that. They I think they're what they're mad about is that he's stopping from killing Harry. 
I see. Yes, because because and this is where I get this is the awesome foreshadowing in this particular chapter. Why Bane is so upset that Ferenzi stopped Voldemort from killing Harry in the Forbidden Forest is because it is written in the sky that Voldemort is going to kill Harry in the Forbidden Forest, which he eventually does. Wow. (laughs) I know, and I think that is so crazy, and he's so mad at him for interfering, but it's exactly what Ferenzi says in Order of the Phoenix. They're like, the planets get it right. They're just not very good with the timing. It's hard to know when it's going to happen, but if you're the centaurs and you're like, okay, Dark Lloyd going to kill Harry in the forest. Well, God, all the pieces were right here. That had to be it. Ferenzi, are you crazy? That's a a slam dunk right there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is I think that is insane. That, uh, it's so true, it's, and, and it's it's so interesting. Because, it gets better. It gets better because okay, yeah, if that's get, what's if that's what's supposed to happen, the centaurs don't join the fight at the Battle of Hogwarts until after Harry is killed by Voldemort. Because at that point, to them, like the what is what the stars have said has come true. Has come true. Yeah. And so even then, they're they're not even like preoccupied with the fact that Harry comes back. Right. Oh, it's so interesting. It's crazy. That is amazing. Because the other thing I've always found to be interesting about the fact that Voldemort is waiting for Harry in the woods is like he's all over the place during Deathly Hallows, during the Battle of Hogwarts, mm-hmm. where like he's in the Shrieking Shack with Snape and like that whole situation. Then like then he's like, I'll be waiting in the forest for Harry. And it's like, why the forest? Yeah, what are you like, doing? Like, what an inconvenient place to be. I know, just like need a place to retreat, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but oh but but it has to be the forest. Because because it always it always was going to it was be. always going to be in the forest. Yeah. Oh man. I love I it's like, man, that's really good. You're right. Yeah. Oh man. I never thought about it that way before. So there you go. That's why the centaurs are so mad that Forenzi interferes here because like they know this is supposed to happen. This is where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Even and with Hagrid. Hagrid's even Yeah, Hagrid's to be. even there. Yeah. yeah. So it's like everything is really on the on the chessboard as it were and if you're like looking at it and of course like Forenzi intervening is also part of it because it's not supposed to happen yet, but um I can see why they're upset. Um, and then, nope. gosh, I love the conversation that he goes on to have with Harry and tells him, you know, the blood of a unicorn will keep you alive, even if you're an inch from death, but at a terrible price. But you'll have a half life, a cursed life. And Harry says, but who'd be that desperate? If you're going to be cursed forever, death's better, isn't it? And I was I like, oh, I, know, I like circled it. I was like, oh, death's better, is it? It's like Harry as an 11 year old already gets it. He, it's I like, it's it. the whole theme. It's, it's the, the whole thing. Theme. So, it's yeah, the whole thing. That's, I literally high- highlighted it. And I wrote next to it, hey, that's the theme of the whole story. Yeah. And you're exactly <laughs> right. I mean, like in book one, Harry uh, has already got it figured out. Death's better, isn't it? Cursed forever. It's like Voldemort's already cursed forever anyway without the unicorn blood because of the horcruxes. So it's like there's that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like yes. he's like he curses himself in so many different ways. Well, and again, but, going back to, to that, that big finale where Harry does walk into the forest. I mean, basically what Harry is saying is like to allow Voldemort to live would be basically subjecting all of humanity, all of wizard kind at the bare minimum to a cursed life. And yeah. so, so for Harry, death's better. Death's better. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's all, it all comes very full circle here in the man, forest. That's incredible. Oh, man, I can't. I can't I, I, yeah, my mind is just being blown. <laughs> um, oh, and then even uh, there's, there's the next page. Harry realizes um, or he just thinks back to that conversation with Hagrid where he says, don't know if he had enough human left in him to die. 
and it's like, oh, like Hagrid is so actually spot on the money with that particular uh, sentiment that Voldemort does not have enough human left in him to die. Like he cannot die, right? In fact, or he can't even when even when Harry defeats him, he does not die true like a, a true death in the traditional sense, right? Like when you like um. Like when when you when Harry goes to like the limbo spot in King's Cross and he sees like the gross little baby like that is the preview of Voldemort's destiny. Like he doesn't you know Harry is able to get up and walk around and choose to move on or whatever. Voldemort when he is defeated by Harry later on that is where he is stuck. So he is not like able to choose to come back as a ghost. He is just stuck in limbo forever. He doesn't have like a the the death experience. Like you couldn't call him back with the resurrection stone. Yeah, no, and I think that's exactly it is that like yeah, like Harry Harry enters King's Cross Station, which is his version or manifestation inside of Limbo, but um Limbo is I mean it it you know, I get I guess some of the question there is like was Dumbledore is oh man, that's a whole big question in and of itself. Is Dumbledore waiting in limbo for Harry to Oh, get or does he just like return to limbo to speak to him or something? Right. Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. It seems like when we have to save for King's Cross Station like I three know. years from yeah, now. Yeah, three years from now when we get to King's Cross. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good one. <laughs> the um, other th- oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, speaking of Dumbledore, um, we're making it to our second to last page here and really kind of like the closing sentiments. Um, and there, uh, Hermione, I think, is talking and says, Harry, everyone says Dumbledore is the only one you know who was ever afraid of. Um, and this is kind of like a curious sentiment. Like, I, I I know it to be true. Like, this is not like a like a fact that like blows my mind. Or, like, I haven't forgotten that this is true. But like, just as you're reading through, it's kind of like, I wonder why Voldemort fears Dumbledore like I almost wonder if this is like one of those things where Voldemort was able to unearth enough about Dumbledore's past that he knows because it, it seems unlike Voldemort or it seems more like Voldemort to underestimate his opposition mm-hmm. and this is almost like adequately respecting Dumbledore which almost to me makes me think like he's aware that Dumbledore might be capable of like some dark stuff himself well but then you'd think he'd have recognized the picture with Grindelwald or who the sandy faced boy was a lot faster you would think that that's yeah. a good point yeah you definitely would um so I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe the involvement with Grindelwald is lesser known. Um, I mean, or, he. I mean, Dumbledore would have been one of his professors at school, so true. I guess he would have just been able to like see him do magic there and stuff as well. I don't know. Right, right. But you would think that Voldemort would think that he was just stronger. I guess Voldemort would have been in school when Dumbledore defeated Grindelwald, right? He. It's. I think it's like right in that zip code because this. This is always the thing with Fantastic Beasts that, that I was so so eager to learn. But the the saga starts I think in 1926, <coughs> which also happens to be the year that Voldemort is born. Right. So then, how does that math work? Well, so because the chamber is opened the first time in 1942, right? Because right, that's 50 years ago, which is the year. Hagrid is expelled. Correct. And the duel happens in 1945. So. Either I don't know what year Tom Riddle is he a fifth year in that. In I think there? he's a fifth fifth year. year. So, so I guess by the time 1945 rolls around, it's either like the spring semester or he's graduated. Yeah, Hogwarts at that point. Yeah. So um, either way, it's he's going to have very like Dumbledore defeating Grindelwald. It's going to be like have been incredibly, you know, uh, public knowledge. And if that's otherwise the greatest dark wizard of all time, and that's what you're trying to be, and this guy defeated him, like. 
it seems like that, you know, you could be afraid of him. <laughs> you could be afraid of him. Yeah. I mean, I certainly, certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, like, I feel like when you talk about Grindelwald fearing Dumbledore a little bit, it, it seems like it's because like even to Dumbledore's own admission, like he knows Grindelwald knew that Dumbledore was a shade better wizard. Yeah. Like, but, but this is like one of those things where like, I, it doesn't seem like up until the battle of the department of Min- uh, mysteries that Voldemort would face him head on. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I just think it's curious, you know I mean? Like it, 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 I, I guess it's just simply because it almost feels like Voldemort would think that it, it goes back to that, that line from McGonagall in the first chapter, which is just like, you're too noble to do the dark things that Voldemort might do. Like maybe, maybe even that's what Voldemort realizes is like, it's like all it would take would, would be Dumbledore not being noble. And then I would lose. Oh, right. Like if, yeah, if like, if I'm only the greatest dark wizard because Dumbledore is not choosing to be dark. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right, yeah. right. 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 Yeah. 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 So maybe maybe that's a piece of it. Right. Um, but then of course, yeah. To, to close out, we then learn that uh, Dumbledore has in fact recovered the invisibility cloak and returned it to Harry uh, inside of uh, folded up inside of his sheets in his bed uh, with the note that says just in case. Yeah. Meaning that Dumbledore went up no new total or at least new. Uh, uh, enough to go looking for Harry's invisibility cloak, recover it, and I feel like probably knows the whole story about the dragon. Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like the type of thing that Hagrid would lie to Dumbledore <laughs> directly about. Nor at this point in time do I think that Hagrid would worry that even given the circumstances that that Dumbledore would fire him for such a thing. Yeah. 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 So anyway. Um, okay, Jay. Well, I think that that closes us out of chapter 15. We are into the final two chapters of the entire book. The end is in sight, which is very I exciting. Know. Looking forward to chapter 16 through the trap door. Uh, do you have a review for us before we I uh, sure do. This review is from Lizan. It says, so much fun. This podcast is so much fun. It prompted me to re-listen to the books again. Didn't make me question, why is the bloody baron the only person slash ghost that Peeves listened to? I'm wondering what your guys' take is on that. Which is, I, I got that question. I was like, you know what? I've never really thought about it. I've always just sort of thought the bloody baron was scary looking, and that's why Peeves was scared of him. I know that's a good question. That's a good question. Okay, so let's try to think a little bit here. Um, the Bloody Baron would have at least existed. The Bloody Baron would have existed at the same time as the founders. Yeah, because he knows Salazar, or he knows Rowena Ravenclaw, who was alive at the same time as, or he know he the Bloody Baron wants to marry Helena Ravenclaw, right. Helena Ravenclaw. And uh, she is alive at the same time as her mother because she steals the diadem from her. Correct. So it suggests that Slytherin is, yeah, he, the, the Bloody Baron was taught by Slytherin. Okay. Yes, yes, right. yes. That would suggest that. <clears throat> and so from there, I guess on some level, you know, if he's a Baron, that's a kind of, that's a rank, right? That's like, some kind of title. Some yeah. Like, like a Duke? Like a Duke or, yeah, some sort of landowner and the fact that this is always one of those things that's like yeah there's the baron and he wants to marry helena ravenclaw and what the ravenclaw what ravenclaw's like um big item is or artifact is is a tiara it's like there's a certain amount of like royalty floating around in this area of yes. stuff. <laughs> it, it almost like, like one of my, one of my like own personal like pieces of head canon is <clears throat> that the Ravenclaws in the non wizarding world were of some kind of like 
like nobility. Mm-hmm. Um, like they would be regarded and maybe their wealth is being created through magic, but people don't know that people that's don't know a, that it's like they're closely guarded secret. Mm. So I could even see a world where part of like the appeal of leaving that noble lifestyle is going off with with the friends with her friends her with, with Godric and Saladasar and Helga yes exactly to, off on the to, countryside going on adventures going off on adventures yes exactly because because she is like we are magical we have a gift we should be trying to to uh, like help other people who are like us to harness these abilities and you know do good things and learn how to like you know learn all the right stuff attached to magic and expand uh, the the possibilities and I could see a world where. Uh, the nobility would adhere so heavily to uh, to to exactly the things you see nobility adhere to, which is which is basically like what it takes to maintain in good standing in society. Mm-hmm. You know, like optics are so wildly important. Um, all of that to say, though, is basically like it it feels <clears throat> like the bloody baron with that title in hand, with the assumption that there's some possibility that. Rowena could have been of nobility that like that you you've got some of that world carrying over. Um, and I, I'm, I guess what I'm just trying to imagine is like, like what, like what does that have to do with peeves though? What is that? No, 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 no. I know. I mean, it, it, it mean, I'm, I'm trying to like paint the picture of what I think the world could have looked like with these characters in mind, what they're like associate, like associated like positions or roles uh-huh. could have been, in the castle. And one of my theories for a long time is that Hogwarts wasn't originally exclusively a school, but maybe like a haven Mm -hmm. um, for magical people. And so I'm trying to think if there's any possibility that like the bloody Baron's role inside of the school could have been quite literally like guarding over the magical manifestations that existed inside of it or something. Oh, I don't Yeah, That's interesting. That's like like if the bloody Baron had a job. Right. Did he have like a job at school as like a further than just being a student or something? Yes. Yes. Mm, see, I guess that's possible. I would, it's like, um, and I, cause I always think the bloody, I think the bloody Baron predates Peeves. I don't think Peeves has been there. Like since Hogwarts has been there. No, I, I don't, I think you're right. I think that yeah. we have some history on that. If you go into the Pottermore archives as to like when Peeves himself arrives. But I think that that also to me suggests that poltergeists can be somehow maybe like, like not defeated for goodsies, but like maybe they like are are reborn. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was like, like a different poltergeist, like in the in the same vein as Peeves before Peeves. Right. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. There is like an article about Peeves and like how they tried to expel him once and like trap him in a bell jar. And it's just like there's really nothing you can do. Right. Other right. than just, you know, him just sort of dissipating because he's not being manifested anymore or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But so basically what I'm trying to think, though, is that it, as a ghost, you are the imprint of your living self, which makes <clears throat> me think that the bloody Baron as at like because like Professor Binns comes and teaches history of magic. Yeah. He's still able to teach history of magic effectively, even as well, not maybe not effectively, but yeah. he's still able to continue to do something he was capable of doing. Um in life. Yeah. And so that makes me think that whatever the bloody Baron did in life also would have granted him some kind of authority over these magical manifestations. That's, that's what I'm going with. That's what you're going with because I don't have another answer. I, yeah. There's not like a, there's not like a, there's not an in universe answer. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, the, the, the other than the peeve just seems scared of him. 
he does just seem scared of him. Yeah. But again, it's it's like once you like learn the story, like Bloody Baron sounds like a like a ship captain gone wrong or something. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> he's just like a freaking walking tragedy. You know, he, he is just a walking yeah. tragedy, but he's otherwise just like a piece of like like the the, the gentry, the court. You know, yeah. like I mean, he's he's not really like. Okay, a, here's another explanation. The only other times Peeves listens to anybody is when Fred and George are causing absolute chaos at the school. True. So what if the Bloody Baron was just like a total jokester? He. <laughs> He's just like hilarious. <laughs> like, like he was just this, like hilarious life of the party. Everybody loved him. He was causing nonsense everywhere, and he had this huge crush on a girl who did not like him, and that drove him mad. And he eventually like kills himself or whatever. Okay, and I don't. I don't completely hate this yeah. <laughs> because also this would be almost an instance where where you could almost see a world where like Rowena sort of like like spurs the the uh, vision of like her royal family mm-hmm. or whatever, but then like her own daughter maybe takes things a bit more seriously than like Robina does who, uh, who ran away from such nobility to like like hang with her friends. Yeah, but like Rowena is still described as being like haughty and stuff. Yeah, but like, I mean like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe just compared like, to like God compared, to, Rhea, yeah. compared <laughs> to the other ones like yeah, she's she's like yeah, she's rebelling against her parents, but like she's still like, you know, she's still herself. She's still where she came from right, on right. some level, right? But yeah. like so you know, if she picks the bloody baron <clears throat> as as somebody who would be a good fit for her daughter, maybe it's somebody who she thinks would help her daughter to like lighten up a little bit. Mm, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm like so far into like the misty weeds of fanfic right now. <laughs> like, oh, the bloody baron! You know the creepy ghost. He was the laugh man. He was the Fred and George before he they were the, there. He was the first Fred and George. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Studied under Salazar, breaking rules and stuff. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was his own antics that that spawned <laughs> the first ever poltergeist of Hogwarts. <laughs> Peeves is of him, which is why he could control him. All, all I'm really trying to say is this is a good question. That, yeah, great you know, question. I've, I've never truly contemplated before, but no, it's 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 fascinating to think about. So anyway, we'll we'll continue to give it a ponder. Maybe we'll see it in a future uh, theory episode over on Super Carlin Brothers. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, though, if you guys are watching over on YouTube, we have begun our quest for That's the right. to, to attain the the silver play button at one hundred thousand. <clears throat> Uh, subscriber. So if you happen to be watching uh, via YouTube, I understand that the subscribe button is not what it once was, but it doesn't mean that the play button that comes with it uh, isn't still a very real it's thing. It's still there. We would love, 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 love uh, to achieve that next goal. So if you wouldn't mind uh, just slapping that subscribe button, it would sure mean a lot to Give us. Give it a quick slap. Even if you're just listening, you know what? Just be like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna open up YouTube. I'm going to I don't normally do this, but boom, subscribe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't normally do I don't, this. You know, you know it doesn't what? really mean anything. Thing, but it would be really, it'd be really cool. Yeah, it's your, it's your good deed of the day. Yeah, it's your good deed. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah, anyway, thank you so much on our on our quest to the silver play button, which we can put in the. the see, the other thing is we have a golden frame black there, so we can put our silver play button in the golden frame. That's exactly. Then we, can, then we can aspire to to yeah <laughs> to, <laughs> to the gold play button. I don't think this podcast YouTube channel is ever going to have one million subscribers. <laughs> I never thought our first our first channel would ever get a million subscribers. So anyway, well, you know. You know, here's hope, but I stranger, stranger things have happened, I guess. That's all. Uh, anyway, guys, as ever, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. We will see. Yeah, ne- next time. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Next time, we will see you through the trap door here on Through the Gryffindor. <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.